So riddle me this. Is an educational video game an oxymoron? Is the phrase a marketing Jedi mind trick your kids might try to use against you? Mom, this is the educational video game you're looking for. Or is there something here that just might offer redemptive content to kids playing these games over and over, something more than just a game's entertainment quotient. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Well, this week on The Plugged In Show, we're going to dive into the world of educational video games. And I confess that as a parent and a bit of a cynic sometimes, call it an occupational hazard, my natural (laughs) stance on this subject leans towards, well, skepticism. Can a game really deliver honest-to-goodness educational lessons? Our very own Kennedy Unthank recently wrote a blog at Plugged In addressing this very subject, and you might be surprised by some of the positive things that he has to say and and that we're going to say this morning as we talk about this, even as we keep some cautionary things in mind as well. And in our second segment, I'm excited to say that our Plugged In summer intern Sarah Rasmussen is here to join us, and she's going to tell us about a YA book called the island. It sounds Ooh. foreboding. Sarah will tell us everything we need to know about that in just a bit. But before we dive into our conversation in earnest today, just a few housekeeping details. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to leave us a review too. Those reviews help people to know exactly what they can expect when they join us for an episode of The Plugged In Show. Thanks so much. Well, joining me for our first segment today are Kennedy Unthank, Kristen Smith and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hey. So we're talking about video games today, and and I, you know, I always want to have a fun way of getting into the subject. I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. So here's my question to launch us off today: If you could make any video game into a movie, or if you prefer the other way around, if you could make any movie into a video game, what would it be, and why? Go. So actually, I do have an answer to this. Oh, that's good. It oh, is. I'm not sure I have an <laughs> answer good. to my own question, actually, so I'll have to think about it. Uh, it's not as popular of a title, but it's called Alan Wake. Oh. Well, it's about a writer who's Is it about a dead person? No, Adam. No. Okay. Well, the wake part. <laughs> the maybe. way you said that. Okay. It's about a writer who's suffering from writer's block. Uh, oh. He... He and his wife decide to take this little vacation to a small town, but then his wife vanishes. And suddenly, he's being attacked by these shadowy figures. And he soon discovers, which I I can't spoil too much, but he soon discovers that these shadowy figures and the events that are happening in the game are based on a manuscript that he can't remember writing. That's actually fascinating. It's very cool. I often can't remember writing my own manuscripts. So, Well, do they come back to attack you? In many ways. Sometimes. More ways than one. You wake up in a cold sweat at night and it's like, oh, the manuscripts are after me again. (laughs) Okay, I have one. Okay. Mine is not as deep, guys. I I feel like surface level here. As a kid, I loved playing Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Right? It was so fun. And I can't imagine, like, how fun would that be for kids? As a movie? Yeah, Yeah. As a kid's movie. And if it was, like, interactive... I think that would be so awesome. I don't really have a reasoning other than it was so much fun and I didn't play a lot of video games growing up. Okay, I but that wondered. was one of them that I, I was really into. Or like, you know, anyway, it was a lot of fun. If they can make Sonic both a game and a show, yeah. they yeah. can do it for Crash Bandicoot. That's right? true. That's I true. mean, um, hashtag vote Crash, I guess. Yeah. Right? 
Your turn. I love it. No, I, I'm going to go with Jonathan. Jonathan. I'll, I'll clean okay, up. Okay. I'll, I'll back clean up. Well, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, we all want to see Pong made into a movie. You know, I was totally uh, just thinking about that. Because <laughs> For you real. could be in like, my head. You could have like a rectangle who is like kind of beating this octagon around, and another rectangle comes in and starts beating it around, and and in about a minute, the movie would be over. <laughs> so it would I'm be a short. Sure. It would be. It would be. Do you like have a, a real short, answer okay. other than a faux okay. answer? I don't know. I just thought that sounded fascinating. No, Pong. it does. Pong. Can you imagine the movie voice though? In a world <laughs> where rectangles <laughs> want to beat octagon <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> minute. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's think. Um, no, I think I would go with adventure uh, because in Atari oh, yeah. Adventure in oh, okay. nineteen like eighty four or three or whatever. I was so addicted to that game. I didn't even have it. I didn't have Atari because my parents wouldn't let us have Atari. So I'd, right, I'd go to my friend's house and be like, devil. oh, can I, can I play adventure? And you could be this dot and you'd go attract these dragons that looked a lot like ducks because they were all pixelated. And, and you were a dot. Again, see, there's the dot, the return of the dot. That's why the obsession was Pong, I think. But, uh, you know, and then, you and should then it get was out amazing. More, <laughs> and you had the sword that looked really like an arrow. I, I don't know. It was, uh, but that would be pretty cool. I mean, adventure, the adventure in a world. No, okay. Forget it. All right. It's a, it's a lot of worlds this morning. That is. So I'm going to take us exactly one step forward from Pong and I want to see asteroids. Oh yeah. The movie. Isn't that just the like Star movie. Wars and you've been pew, waiting pew, to say it? Pew, pew. It's just like Star <laughs> Wars. Pew, pew, pew. You could Boom. spin around and shoot <laughs> one-dimensional rocks see you and i actually are on the same page anyway we digress and it probably means that it's time to progress into a more significant and hopefully content-filled conversation yeah people are waiting man about (laughs) educational video games so i mentioned in the introduction kennedy you recently wrote a blog for plugged in titled the value of educational gaming Uh, and maybe i tipped my hand a bit when i confess that i come at this topic with a bit of skepticism But uh, for those who are listening today, you can find a link to that blog in the episode notes for today's show. But I really think it's worth unpacking a little bit. Um, I think maybe the best place to start is to define our terms. When we talk about educational video games, what are we talking about? And how are these games different from games that aren't educational? Because yeah, so, my son would argue that Fortnite is an educational video game, but that, I, I would push back. Validity to that. I would push back. What's an educational video game, Kennedy? So, yeah, I think you have that very strict genre okay. of games that are called educational. Yeah, yeah. Um, these are games that are intentionally made to teach things, obviously, uh, whether it's math or whatever you want to put in there. Okay. Um, but uh, for the blog, I actually focused on games that weren't uh, strictly put into that educational uh, genre. They were games okay. that kind of fell into other categories, but they were still able to teach children or whoever wanted to play them uh, some relevant skills. Okay. So we're talking about educational video games kind of on two levels. There are some that are, you know, it's got a, a cool graphic, but you're doing math. And nobody's confused about that. And we're talking about games that are actually games, but have some bigger things going on in terms of what kids can take away from them. Is that a fair assessment? that is completely fair. Well, in your blog, you identified several categories of educational games. Why don't you give us an overview of what those are? 
Yeah, and so this is by no means exhaustive, but I identified uh, four different categories. Uh, the first was rhythm games. Uh, these are games that are kind of based around music, where uh, your success in the game is dependent on how well you can keep to the song. Okay. Um, you also have management games, where your success is dependent on how well you can keep the operations flowing, whether that's you're just in a small kitchen, or you are in you're or you're the mayor of a city. Okay. And would you say Sims games are sort of in that category? Yeah. Okay. I, I would definitely yeah, put those in yeah. there because you're managing like a family unit in yeah. these Sims. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also have puzzle games. Uh, I think those are kind of self-explanatory. You're going through levels, trying to solve different puzzles. And then you also have building games where kind of it lets you flex your creative muscle, try and figure out, oh, how can I build this? Uh, what do I want to build? Things like that. Okay. This is fascinating. Okay. Way to go, Kennedy. <laughs> it really is. I think Thank this you. is so good for parents, like because kids want to play games, so let's give them something else. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that's a, a great segue into my next question, which is, okay, so I'm a parent. I have kids. They like video games. How are these games really different than, you know, I joked about Fortnite a minute ago in terms of what they potentially bring to the table for young players? Yeah, so I think uh, the biggest thing is first we have to recognize that you could probably make the argument that every single game yeah. does have some sort of educational value. Okay. Um, but uh, I brought a lot of these games up in particular because there have been more scientific studies actually done on them, um, which is something that kind of brings me around to them. Because, like, for instance, with rhythm and music games, uh, there have been multiple studies done that say things like, People who play these games at, when they're kids have better musical aptitude when they Are grow up. Are we talking up. about Guitar Hero? Because Guitar I Hero was a master. Okay. Great. I, you know, I often wondered. That explains a great deal. Kristen, you've been a rock star this whole time, and I didn't even I didn't, know. I didn't know it either, but thanks, Kennedy. <laughs> uh, for another example, with the puzzle games, uh, there was a study done by Florida State University that found that Portal 2, which is probably one of the most prominent puzzle games out there, uh, they did some tests on it. They found out that it has a positive influence on certain uh, cognitive abilities. So when we look at some of these games, we have to realize that, yeah, there can be some risks that you take. Like, obviously, you don't want to have too much screen time. You want to uh, guard your heart as you go into these things. But we shouldn't throw it all out. Okay. Because these games also have some sort of educational value that go along with them, too. So I'm not in that season of life. First, I just want to say, if you're listening to Kennedy... Even if he didn't know what he was talking about, which he does, his voice is like such a I'm such a, a radio voice that like you're like yeah that makes sense like I feel like I'm being instructed by a professor. So even if he's making play puzzle all games up. too. Wow, you're so smart. That's right. um, <laughs> okay, so I have little kids, and so they're not at this stage yet. Where how old is your son now? He's about to be six. Okay. Yeah. So. He also, we don't play a lot of video games. It's kind of like a reward in our house. Okay. And so Minecraft is something that he's played with my younger sister, who's 17. But there's some building aspects like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like He has to use his brain to think about how to put things together. So I, I don't mind things like that. But something that I let my kids do, they have tablets. Um, so we play games like he has um, Wild Kratz. There's a game for that. It's super educational, all about animals. Is that animals. like aristocrats and it's, wild animals it's like, smooshed together? Do, do we remember Zaboomafu? No. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. I remember. Oh, yeah. Wild Kratz, Kratz Creatures. Okay. See, I feel like I have a reference now that you don't understand. So, no. Wild Kratz. Turns out I'm too old. 
<laughs> Wild Kratts is a game that he has. Other things like uh, Big Brain Academy, yep. Jumpstart has a bunch of games that you can put on the tablet, things yeah. like that, yeah. um, that he's able. And it, that this is the more direct stuff, right? Yeah. This is like math and English and letters and all that sort of stuff. Games that were intentionally created yes, to teach yeah. these topics. Which is what I'm going aiming for right now. Um, yeah. So I think both of these categories are super important to mm-hmm. have because it feels unfair for me to say, this is educational, but this is not, especially if there's a solid argument for it. However, I'm sure your kids, Adam, have lots of arguments for the things that are educational that you might not agree with. Well, and I think that there's there's stuff that's obviously an educational game. You know, if yeah. you're playing a video game to teach you math skills, that is like a legit official educational game. I yeah. think a game like Minecraft it kind of splits the difference. Yeah. I mean, it is a video game that is incredibly well constructed. And so it makes it fun and easy to play for hours on end. And I think that's, you know, the first basic caution here is yeah. that yeah. any well-designed game is probably going to invite kids to play as long as mom and dad will let them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I think that we've got to keep those screen time limits really in mind here but I think Minecraft has some creative opportunities that mm-hmm. maybe Fortnite doesn't. I mean, I'm, I'll pick on the one that I was just <laughs> talking about. Minecraft has this building component. I mean, yeah. it's not sure. quite a one-to-one comparison with playing with Legos, but it's it's in the neighborhood of almost a digital Lego kind of game. Speaking of that, my son has a ton of Legos in his yeah. room. And he has actually gotten ideas from Minecraft. And so he'll oh, wow. play, him and his sister, who's three, um, they'll play together in the room and he'll try to like as an oldest child, direct her on what the best way is to play with the Legos and how to build them. It's good um, to be the king yeah, <laughs> or really. the queen. And she just does whatever he says because, of course, she's never played the game before. But I think these these can be incorporated. But we do screen time limits. Like, they get the tablet. But if you have, like, a bad attitude, right, that's going to kind of be time is going to get reduced. So I think it can also – it can really be um, a reward if you if you want it to. Yeah, and uh, something that really speaks to me when it comes to these kind of games is I'm a lot more of a visual learner. Yeah, so that's fair, yeah. Kind of, and that was one of the things I wanted to call out in, in your article because I thought that really stood out to me. Yeah, well, it's just one of those things where someone can tell me a topic. Mm-hmm. And sure, I'll, I'll process it in my head, you know. But if they can show it to me, I can understand it way better. One of the things that I loved is that one of our listeners, uh, they had wrote in and they said uh, that they used Minecraft actually because Minecraft has a creative mode. Right. Um, And they used Minecraft to allow their child to kind of construct these things they were talking about in history. So if Uh they're talking about the the pyramids, they'd say, okay, well, go make a pyramid. Oh, I love that. So they were using it as a learning opportunity to kind of bolster uh, the education that they're giving them. That's I great. Love that. That's great. Jonathan, I know you have helped your kids probably navigate some of these things too. What thoughts do you have on educational video games? I mean, I think they're great. I, my kids who are all in their you know 20s and wow, my son just turned 30. Wow, I'm so old. But, <laughs> I knew uh, you were old. You know, they man. never really were like, oh, they, these are educational games. These are not. It was just they either liked them or they didn't. Yep. And when they played Animal Crossing, which I think taught yeah. them responsibility and you know, if you don't feed your animals, they die. And you, know? you have a mortgage. It, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. It kind of taught them things. I love though what Kristen said I just got a comment because I don't think video games are bad. I don't think screen time, I think it's something that should be noticed. I don't think it should be something that's completely eliminated. I just think it's something we should 
be aware of, but I think we should always look for opportunities to play in other ways as well. To f- mm-hmm. Rather than saying no to something is what can we say yes to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the fact that, um, Kristen, your kid's playing Legos. I was playing uh, Legos with my little guy, uh, my grandson, he's, uh, he's almost three. And he does these Lego and he loves to do towers. For some reason, he loves to get them super yeah. tall. And, uh, but they always tip over. Uh-huh. And so the other day, literally last week, I was all, son, come here. Let me teach you how to make a foundation. And so, like, <laughs> I, 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 and so I literally grabbed all the big Legos and I made this like foundation, you know. And then we made this tower that was taller than him. And it was so awesome because I kept saying, you know why this tower is tall? And he's like, because it's a foundation. You know, and I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then literally grandma comes in. I'm like, hey, 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 uh, Ashton, um, why is the tower so tall? Because the foundation, you know, it was awesome. <laughs> Days later, I was like, oh, hey, I, I saw your tower the other day. It's still in the other room. Why is it tall? The foundation. That's I'm like, right. Yeah, you know, future engineer. I don't know. But it's like fun just to find ways to play. And there's times where you can learn during play, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I would say, parents, look for those opportunities, not only on screens, but off screen. Yeah. Yeah. And as a parent, that doesn't love screen time, just to be honest. I mean, that's not, I mean, I like it for like yeah. when I need to cook and have a sane moment and I'm just like, please go watch a show so I can have a, a second of a thought. Um, but like, I don't love all the screen time all the time. I do want to honor like the different learning styles. And I think I am yeah. not yeah, necessarily sure. a visual learner, but my son is, and he is very engineer minded, probably like your grandson, Jonathan. And I think boys tend to be like that. They like the hands-on things, not all of them, but as a generalization. And so I think kind of finding ways where you can use it to connect um, is a really good opportunity. Well, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I know that my son went through a phase where we would buy used Nerf guns and he would come home and watch a YouTube video on Dude, perfect. how to yeah. take them apart, how to you oh. know get rid of the limiter so that they shoot harder, which oh, is no. sisters. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> that um, is awesome. But I but I I liked the interaction between play and screens in yeah. a creative way because he was doing something exactly yep. like what you're talking about. Yeah, and I want to be clear that this blog isn't saying, okay, now go and play and video play games for 24 hours. Exactly. Or, you know, that's great. Uh, I think, you know, like a broken record, I'm just going to say that we need to guard our hearts every time we go in and encounter uh, anything, really. Uh, yeah. But when it comes to video games, we have to recognize that. Just like there are studies that show that these games can be educational and can be uh, good and can foster some good learning habits, uh, there are also studies that say that too much screen time is really bad for you. Right. In all kinds of ways. Yes. And so uh, with that in mind, um, we just have to think about uh, keeping that balance between the two and just making sure that uh, while we enjoy these things, that they can't become something that we are just absolutely just essentially wasting our time with. And some people might not like this, but I'll just be honest. Most of the studies on screen time, when they really, in the last few years, they've really kind of not let that that term screen time just lay out there. How much screen time affects our kids' mental health? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They said, well, what kind of screen time? That's yeah, because that's right, you know, Zooming grandma, is that is that screen time? Is that yeah. bad? We should stop Zooming grandma? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if so- If it makes, so, her, makes her motion sick, we should stop yeah, Zooming Yeah, it absolutely grandma. does. You know, um, so, so we, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> I'll be here but all week. But the thing is, um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where- uh, most studies, I just, it's it. There's not a lot of studies out there that 
show many bad effects for mental health with video games. The only thing that video games is that that kind of addictive quality where they kind of want to do more and they end up doing so many video games that they don't do anything else and yeah. they yeah. end up obese. That's about the only thing is is too much, like too much of anything. Right. If you eat yep. too many yeah. strawberries, only strawberries, it probably, you know, turns you, you turn into a strawberry into a or something. Strawberry. You know, exactly. You know, so so that that I would say is the biggest concern. The other yeah. concern I would say too is understand who your kids are communicating with during yes. video games because time after time there's uh you know young young boys, eleven years old, twelve years old playing with these guys who are just saying very inappropriate stuff yep. or creepers and asking them questions they shouldn't be asking. So it's good to kind of know and it and it's hard because in games like Fortnite and some of these other games, very often it's you're in a room with a hundred people playing games and there's stuff being said. But I would just say be very aware of that. Yeah. So yeah. well and I want to just um sort of tie a, a bow on our conversation with a couple of the things that we have talked about. You know, some of the things I have really heard today are intentionality, uh, creativity, and relationship. Yep. Paying attention to your kids, being students of your kids, knowing how they're affected both positively and negatively. And it goes both ways, right? When we know our kids, when we know their learning styles, we can really steer them toward things that engage them in a healthy way. Yeah. But we're doing that intentionally. We're doing it with them, I think, as much as possible, doing it side by side. And we haven't even talked about the sort of cooperative nature, but mm -hmm. a lot of these games... It's a place where you can enter into your kid's world by actually playing with them. Uh, and I also love the, you know, the suggestion that maybe we just turn the screen off and go play Monopoly, you know, mm -hmm. and learn about how to be a banker. Monopoly is also an educational, an educational game. <laughs> um, and so there's a, there's a balance there. There's not a one size fits all answer. Yeah. But I think that if we are really focusing on relationship, I think if we're focusing on intentionality, and paying attention to what kind of creative outlets do my kids gravitate toward mm -hmm. and how can I give them more of those, mm -hmm. I think we'll be in a good place. And it doesn't mean that we, as you know, Kennedy and Jonathan have, have talked about, it doesn't mean that we just ignore the potential pitfalls. Uh, but I think there's opportunity here to have a lot of fun, to have a lot of joy, but to sort of, you know, keep it within the the banks that are healthy and, and life-giving and not letting it just sort of flood all totally. over everything. So totally. mm -hmm. uh, great conversation as always. I know that there's more that we could say. And again, I would commend Kennedy's blog to you and you'll find a oh, link to that uh, in the episode notes for today's show. Thanks guys. Well, in our second segment today, I am excited to introduce you to Sarah Rasmussen. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Adam. Sarah is our intern for the summer. We always look forward to the summer because we have great people each year. And this year, our awesome person is Sarah. So she has already been making a huge contribution to Plugged In. And one of the things that she did for us recently was reviewing the book, the island, the island, the island, island. I need like an echo effect there. Right, very ominous. So this is a YA book, and I want to hear what we need to know about the island. And I also want to remind people that even though Plugged In is mostly known for movies, books are one of the things we review as well. So tell we us do. about the island, Sarah. Well, the island is about teenage true crime podcaster Paisley. Say that three times fast. Seriously, <laughs> and I would she, trip all over that. Right, she is three. Thrilled when the billionaire Malcolm Wyatt invites her to an exclusive weekend on his island amusement park. But when she gets there, she is even more delighted to discover that the theme of this amusement park is right up her alley. Macabre weapon displays and gothic architecture, 
greet Paisley and the five other teenaged influencers when they arrive in the island. Everything is fine and dandy until people start disappearing. Paisley and the remaining influencers slowly realize there's evil afoot, and the person responsible could be one of them. All right. So, we have macabre. We have gothic. We have disappearing people. This is a murder mystery, it sounds like. Are we in, like, Agatha Christie territory? In terms of plot and theme, yes. In terms of the style and general polishedness, no. Okay. This is definitely a YA novel, but it does have that fun murder mystery element. Because what's more fun than a murder mystery, right? right That's what exactly. I always say. I agree. So it sounds like, you know, it's playing with some some well-known plot devices. Mm-hmm. In terms of content, what, you know, if you have a, a son or a daughter who picks up this book and says, oh, my friends were reading this, or I, I read a review of this online, and I'm really interested. What do parents need to know? Language is probably the number one thing. Okay. You know, this is a book that's probably middle school, high school level, and there is a lot of language for something aimed at those aged kids. So definitely want to be aware of the language element. And also we have, it's a murder mystery. There are quite people a few. People die. People die, for sure. Right? And we have quite a few pretty graphic descriptions of what happens yeah, to some Yeah, that was my next people. question was, you know, right. do they just find bodies where they've been stabbed or shot or we actually right. get sometimes, to read about it? Yeah, sometimes we get to see these murders take place. Um, but I will say it doesn't have the same chilling effect as, say, a Stephen King novel. Okay. But So we're not in horror territory. We're not in horror territory, but we certainly have some pretty graphic descriptions. You know, I want to circle back to the profanity thing for mm-hmm. just a second. It's it's interesting to think about. I find that it's one thing to hear profanity in a TV show or a movie. It feels really different to me to read it. Agreed. And there's just something about reading swear words that I don't know, it's really unsettling to me personally. Right. And I'm not I'm not a prude, but I certainly don't want my kids reading stuff that have a bunch of language. And so I think of everything you've talked about for me as a parent, that would be the thing I would be most concerned about. Right. And something that's kind of concerning about this is the kids in this book, they're all 15 through 17. And, you know, there definitely are 15 through 17 year olds who use this kind of language, but that shouldn't be normal. And they definitely make it normal in this book. Well, and that's the thing that we talk about at Plugged In all the time is just the issue of worldview. Mm -hmm. And the issue of worldview at its most basic level, I think, is what is normal, right? How do we see the world? How do we behave in the world? And Mm -hmm. so I think when we have entertainment of any kind, in this case, a book that's reinforcing that idea that profanity is just a normal thing, that feels like a red flag to me. So it feels like... This might be one that that most families, if if you know they have a child who's interested in this book for some reason, you might want to steer them toward a different alternative. Is that a a safe way to put this? Yes, definitely. I mean, murder mystery is a big theme. We have lots of books about that, and there are a lot of books that don't involve this kind of profanity right? that you could probably read and get the same kind of excitement from. Maybe just go get an Agatha Christie novel. Exactly. You know, I would recommend that. Murder on the Orient Express or something yeah. like that. Definitely. All right. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for telling us about the island. And thanks for being on the show today for the first time. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, now it's time for a segment we like to call Pop Culture Connection, in which 
our producer Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Adam. Joins us to uh, well, it's kind of like stump the chump, only not really. Ashley asks us each a question that has something to do with popular culture, and our goal is well quantity, not quality of answers. And Jonathan is sort of our reigning gold medal champ. If we had platinum medals, we would give you one because you usually win. So uh, we're glad that he is here to uh, to raise the bar today. Ashley, I turn it over to you. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to have Kennedy go first. Oh, boy. It's been a while since you guys have all been in the hot seat. So. Yeah, I know. All right, Kennedy, what is the best movie you have ever seen and why did you like it? I probably am going to say Inception. Oh. I, I, it's probably my favorite uh, action film of all time. I like the the plot revolving around dreams, especially because it means that you can just do whatever he wants because it's dreams. Um, I really enjoy how they kind of bring it into reality at the same time where they say like, hey, well, yeah, this is a dream, but there are rules that you have to follow. Uh, I like the cast of characters. I like... Ooh, uh, that was pretty good. This this won't count as a point, but I'm just going to say it. I really <laughs> like that scene where the car is flipping over and it causes all the layers below it to start to turn around and all that. That's that movie's really cool. awesome. Yeah, it's sort of like if Christopher Nolan, would he woke up one day and said, how can I make a kaleidoscope into a movie? That's Inception. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was just sitting there like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Look wow. at all those colors. Yeah. <laughs> How many points, Ashley? I got six points for Kennedy. All right, Kennedy. Woo-hoo! That's Woo-hoo! better than average. Very good. That's really for good. Me. Who's next? All right, next is Sarah. Okay, Sarah, Ooh, you ready? Sarah. I'm ready. All right. What movie can you rewatch over and oh, over again and watch? I love the movie Dead Poet Society. It has Robin Williams, which is always a plus. It's about poetry, and we hear uh, Captain My Captain, and it's about a school and kids learning. I'm an ed major at school, and they uh, learn to love poetry. They learn to do all of these things, and it is just a wonderful movie. And also, just the general feeling of the movie is very fun. I could watch it again and again. Nice. Oh, very good. Well, you are tied with Kennedy. Good job. Six points. Excellent. That's a really, really good first time at this game. Yes. Dead Poets Society is a very fun movie. Except Until for the, the suicide end. part. <laughs> <laughs> Until yeah. the end. There Spoiler is a suicide part. Yeah. Lots of emotions it's in also, that one. It's also, you know, Robin Williams on a desk, and who doesn't love that? Right. <laughs> right. All right. Kristen. Oh, okay. What do you consider <laughs> to be the best film genre and why? Okay, I really want to say romantic comedies because they're easy to watch, but probably not. It's probably something sort of like Lord of the Rings with that, like, action... Fantasy. Fantasy. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, seriously, all the crazy characters, you get to go through different worlds. Um, Usually, it's, like, very rich. This is going to be terrible. Jonathan might as well take over. Um, I don't know. They're just so much more entertaining to watch. Like, you're really captivated and into it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like all the creation, like, the creativity. Yeah. That was yeah. a good answer. All right. That was a good, good answer. answer. I do think I like you how you edited yourself. Right. I want to say romantic says, comedies, but, no. but I'll say fantasies instead. But I won't. I'll say whatever that so, other genre is that I'm not sure. Lord I, of the Rings? What genre is it? I, I know. I was like, something like Lord of the Rings, whatever that is. I got five points for you. Okay. But I'm going to give you that extra one for the rom-com because I feel like that's where you would have really shined if you had stayed with I probably it. should have stayed there. 
But that's right. okay. Here we are. Should Good have. job. Should have. Right. All right. So we have a tie across the board. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Just let John, does Jonathan go first so that he destroys us or last so that we're all defeated? I'm not sure. No, I think he's going to back clean up here. Okay. I, I just so. have a feeling that I'm going to Yes, you are going next. Yep. Good job. All right. Adam. I'm here. I'm ready. What movie have you seen that would make an even better novel and why? Oh, wow. That's a hard question. I am going to go with The Adjustment Bureau. The Adjustment Bureau is about these two characters who realize that there are these secret angels that are directing history. And if you get off course, they get really agitated. But it really is a movie. It's based on a Philip K. Dick novel. It is, I guess it's already a novel. So, oh, well, automatic disqualification. Uh, But if they did it again as a novel, it's about free will versus predestination. And I always like that. Very cool. See, I sort of wandered into that and then realized, oh, wait, it's already been done. Had you not said that, though, I wouldn't have known that. Oh, well. It's all good. It's all good. And maybe it would make a better novel now. Right. How many points did I get? I got three. That's that's a zero. Uh, (laughs) You didn't even answer the question. I'll try harder, though. (laughs) Next time, zero. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right. That's that's an empty set for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jonathan, show us how it's done. I'm not sure about that. But I'll give it a shot. Yeah, you are. You are in an escape room. Who would you rather have in the room with you? C-3PO and R2-D2 from Star Wars, Baymax from Big Hero 6, or Data from Star Trek, and why? Definitely C-3PO and R2-D2, because R2-D2 could stick his little thing in the wall and he could figure it all out. C-3PO could drive us nuts and tell us what's going on. Plus, C-3PO's got that cool accent, so even if you're going to die, you're like, ah, I love his voice. R2-D2 could like entertain you by like playing music or like throwing a mist in the room or something like that. You could throw R2-D2 around if you if you were you know tired. You could just throw him like a garbage can against the wall or something. 3PO, he could oh yank my. his arm off like Chewie and bang it against the wall. Um, oh you could my. polish him off and just one. make him sound better. You could roll C-3PO around like a skateboard. Okay, you, know, if you're you won, okay? <laughs> you won. I got three total. You got three in the first three seconds. And yeah. I'm going to decide no not to chance. hate you for that. He got progressively more violent. Yes, it's end. true. But, it was really wow. good, though. But I did like C-3PO's arm coming off. That Indeed. Was, how many? I got seven on that one. Way to go, nah. John. Yeah. It felt like 12. Barely in the clutch. It felt like 12 to me. That's funny. Well, as usual, our, uh, our reigning champ... Uh, is well still raining. Good job raining on us, Jonathan. I appreciate that, really, That's and I really for. mean that. <laughs> <laughs> now it's always fun to uh, to throw our brains at these pop culture questions each week, and we will keep doing it because, well, um, it's fun. And those were some great questions. Thank you, Ashley. Sure. Well, thanks again for taking some time to join us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about what constitutes an educational video game and the role that they might play in our family. So what do you think about them? Do you love them? Do you hate them? Do you have one that you played that your kids play? We would love to hear about that. And, you know, we talked about the island too. Have you read this book? And even if you haven't, we would love to hear what you and your kids are reading this summer and why. So you may want to know, how do we connect with you. I am so glad that you asked. You can always find us on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team 
at thepluggedinshow.com. But we are also excited to remind you that you can connect with us a couple other ways as well. At thepluggedinshow.com, you can leave us a voicemail. That's right, a voicemail. And you'll find a little black ribbon on the right-hand side of the screen that will enable you to do that and prompt you through that process. And also, each Monday at 3 p.m. Mountain Time, we are having a blast with The Plugged In Show Aftercast. And each week, two people from our team are getting together to talk about what was on last week's show, what's on the upcoming show, and also what's happening at the box office. And we've had some terrific interaction with some of you already, and we look forward to continuing to do that. Each week, again, we go live at 3 p.m. Mountain Time on Instagram, and you can find us at Plugged In Team each week. Well, I'd also love to remind you that Plugged In is a part of the ministry of Focus on the Family, and we are here to help you navigate this crazy world of popular culture and technology. And if you have kids today, you know it is indeed a crazy world. And we couldn't do that without your financial support. So when you donate to Focus on the Family today, a gift of any amount, we will send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's excellent book, Parenting Generation Screen, in which we talk about so many of the screen-related issues that we deal with week in and week out. And you'll find information on how to order that book in the episode notes for today's show. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week at The Plugged In Show. We know that you have so many things vying for your attention. We are honored that you have chosen to spend some of that time with us today. I hope it's been a fun conversation for you and an encouraging and, yes, educational one for you as well. Nice. We look forward to joining you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. God wants true disciples, ones that think like Him, talk like Him, walk like Him, disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.